This morning's service is going to be a little bit different because rather than a sermon, I just want to take a few moments and kind of uh, reorient our hearts toward the vision of renewing our hearts and what that means for us. It's a part of the vision that God has given to this church. And then we are going to hear some testimonies of how God is doing that among us. And so uh, my goal is simple this morning. I want to encourage us toward continued faithfulness in our mission. We as a church exist for the glory of God, and that is most fully expressed when people's lives are transformed by the good news about Jesus. Jesus has won a great victory. He's won a victory over sin, won a victory over death, over the flesh, over Satan, and we are the recipients and the messengers of Jesus' victory. And we often say that we want to make an impact in the Pioneer Valley and around the world, and today you're going to hear about some of the ways that we are doing that outside of the normal church services and outside of the walls of this building. And the the part of the vision that I want to talk to you about this morning is heart. We aim to renew heart. And when we say heart, we're referring to the core, to the main thing, to the central focus, to the very reason that we exist as a church. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples. He told his apostles that they should follow him and that he would make them fishers of men. He didn't say, come follow me and maybe if you'd like to, you'll become fishers of men. He said that he was going to make them fishers of men. It wasn't a question, it was a statement. To follow Jesus is to be a fisher of men, to call people into the kingdom of God, to make disciples. We believe that God has called us to participate in that mission directly here in our own valley as well as around the world. We want to invite people to experience God's presence among God's people here at church. We want to equip people to share their faith with others like we're doing in our connect groups right now. We want to give people opportunities to participate in community outreach like the Fall Family Festival that's coming up. But in addition... We want to directly participate in God's mission in other places around the world. And so we help send out individuals and teams who participate in God's work in other places. And you're going to hear some testimonies of some of those people this morning. And part of our vision is to send out at least three trips a year. And eventually, as God would bless us and give us growth, we want to have 100 people from Bethany involved in missions trips on an annual basis. That might sound like a lot, but if you count the Child Hope team that goes to Latin America every year to build, if you count the staff from Bethany of our Royal Family Kids Camp, if you count our additional teams, like the team that went to Poland this year that you're going to hear from in a little while, and the individuals that we helped to send on missions trips, we're not as far from that number as you might think. In fact, we're probably in excess of 50 or 60 people who participated in missions trips from the church this year. Now I know that a lot of people are critical of missions trips. They think that perhaps more could be done if we just collected the money and we just sent that over. And I don't think that that's true for several reasons. First, if the people didn't go, it's highly unlikely that we're just gonna send that money in their stead. The money just wouldn't go and then neither would the people and so nothing would be done. Second, they couldn't go and pray and support the work of the missionary, encouraging their hearts and assisting and aiding them as they need while they're there. And last but not least, 
one of the primary reasons we want people to go on missions trips is that it makes a lasting impact on their lives as well. As you're going to hear in the testimonies this morning, those that go experience what God is doing in other parts of the world, and their hearts are stirred to continue to participate in God's mission, both abroad and right here. Not only that, but hopefully they're going to see the value of giving to missions, because they're going to see what a missionary is doing in another nation, have a deeper understanding of what happens when they give, and then be fired up to give themselves and to encourage others with their testimony so that they will give as well. The final element of our mission vision is increased missions giving. Since 2019 to 2020, we've seen significantly increased missions giving that has hovered right around $500,000 a year. And our desire is that our giving not only remains strong, but we want it to continue to grow. We desire that our church would grow in terms of our maturity and numerically, but we also want, as part of that vision, to see our missions giving increase as well. We can do far more together than we can do apart. And you're going to hear about some of the projects that we have had the privilege of participating in and supporting in significant ways. That's because we have made missions a priority in our church, and that needs to continue. We're about to embark on a renovation project, and I'm really excited about that. And on November 6th, we are going to have Giving Sunday. We're going to show the whole congregation the plans that we have for renovation, and I'm going to ask you to have a vision for what God wants to do and how you can participate in that here in the Pioneer Valley. But while we renovate here, we can't let our hearts shrink for God's mission around the world. While we renew here, we can't forget that we have to have renewed hearts for God's mission around the world. And this is going to be a time in our church that calls for faith in the God who will supply our needs. It's going to be a time in our church that will call us to sacrifice, and that sacrifice is a good thing. This is a time for recognizing that the mission of God in our world is not completed. It's not complete here in the valley, nor is it finished elsewhere in the world. There are still places where people have not heard the name of Jesus. There are still many people for whom Jesus is just a fairy tale and they've not yet heard from anyone real that he actually reigns as king. There are still many for whom Jesus is just a story, but we have an opportunity to go or to support those who go and they will be the hands and feet of Jesus so that he's not a story, but they see Jesus in their actions and in their lives and in their words. There are still many people for whom Jesus is an element of history, a bygone era that we've passed, but we can send people or we can be the mouth of Christ ourselves to help them realize that Jesus is not merely an element of history, but he lives today and he lives in his church and we can proclaim that he is Lord. This is the mission in which God has called us to participate. And we're not alone in it. He's called millions of people all over the world who are currently participating in it. We shouldn't imagine that we're the only ones, nor that somehow we're the most important ones. But neither should we forget that we are part of this task, that we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, that he prepared beforehand, that we, as a church family, should walk in. And today, as you hear what God has allowed us to do, I pray that he will stir your hearts to participate in his mission in the Pioneer Valley and around the world. 
You're going to hear testimonies from teams that have gone. You're going to hear testimonies from individuals. And I just encourage you to open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through their experiences and through the encouragement of what God is doing and let him call you to participate in that work. One of the ways that we encouraged missions over the past year was through the establishment of a first-time missions trip scholarship. This is a fund that we set aside to assist people, particularly young people who want to take a missions trip but may need financial help to do so. There's nothing like being removed from your comfort zone, seeing what God is doing somewhere else in the world to stir your heart for his work. And this morning, you're going to hear from three different young people who we helped experience missions through this scholarship, and we're going to begin with Ben and Sarah. So turn your attention to the screens and take a look. Hey, Bethany family. Ben and I just wanted to thank you for your support in allowing us to go to Guatemala and join the Kitchen of Love. Um, the Kitchen of Love is an established ministry in Guatemala City and in Esquipulas that has been serving hot meals and the message of Christ to families for over 28 years. Over 12 days in Guatemala, we served hundreds of families hot meals, uh, bags of food, each containing enough uh, meals for a week. And we also minister to their children by teaching them a lesson on the fruits of the Spirit, giving them bags of snacks, and uh, playing sports with them. And later on in the second half of the week, we also went to Guatemala City where we not only ministered to children and adults, but we also were able to share our testimonies with the youth there and how God had worked in our lives and how that same love of God was available to them. One of the biggest highlights of the trip was our outreach in Esquipulas. Over 2,000 people walked by foot six to eight hours to attend this outreach. We know that they didn't come just to receive one hot meal and some food for the week, but rather they were truly desiring to experience the transformative love of Christ. And Ben and I were able to witness that love at work in their lives. So we just wanted to thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And also thank you for your faithful giving. God bless you guys. God bless you. Hi, my name is Bob Conti, and I'm part of a team that's going to be leaving this Thursday morning uh, for the Dominican Republic to uh, build classrooms on a school. And there will be some pictures up shortly. That is the new school that's going up, and uh, we're going to be a part of that. And we're going to replace a school that you'll see a picture shortly. It's a green building that has, it's, that's it, it's basically a six-room house. And five of those rooms are used as classrooms. It's, they're the size of your normal bedroom, and they handle 450 kids a day in that school, half of them in the morning and half in the afternoon. So this new building that we're helping to build will enable them to have more, many more classrooms, plus there'll be play areas, there'll be food service areas. Uh, it, it'll be a huge blessing to them. Uh, there's 22 of us going. We've got seven or eight uh, new first-timers uh, this year, so we're real excited about that. But we have one that I have to mention, Jim McDonald, who won't be going with us this year because he's had to hang up his hammer. And we need people to step into Jim McDonald's place. You know, he's, he's gone on more construction missions trips than anybody else in this church. And if you see him, shake his hand. Uh, while we're there, we have opportunities for outreaches. Uh, we do a, a baseball clinic. 
down there for a whole bunch of kids. Baseball is big in the DR. And uh, we do uh, children's ministry down there that's kind of exciting to watch. And one of the other things we do, we've partnered with Sawyer Water Filter Company, and we pass out water filters. This is the water filter. This attaches to the bottom of a five-gallon bucket, just a plain five-gallon bucket. The problem with many of the water sources in the Dominican Republic and other uh, Latin American countries is the, the water coming out of the tap will make you sick if you drink it. And we pass out these filters, and this little filter will allow up to three families to have fresh drinking water for years to come. It's a long, long-lasting filter, and when we pass these out, it's interesting to watch because we do a demonstration where uh, you t we've scooped water out of the gutter, literally, and then filtered it through, and the women in the audience, they don't want to touch it, but you'll see a little kid come up, and he'll, he'll drink it and, and try it, and then you'll get the adults to drink it, and it's just an amazing thing to see. Uh, so we'll, we're bringing 200 of these down with us. So, and it's a huge impact because in a country where the average pay uh, that people make is 250 to 275 a month, they have to spend around 250 a year for water. So we're giving them a whole month's pay and it, the impact is big. So this is a, such a positive effect on their lives. And, uh, and for me, this is my 12th trip to the Dominican Republic. And, and not to the Dominican, to Latin America. And it's been such a privilege to be able to go on all of these trips. And uh, it, it's changed my life. And if I have any regrets, it's that I didn't start earlier in my life. So I would encourage you, you know, make the time. You can't just wait, someday it'll go. You gotta make the decision to make the time. And I would encourage you, step into Jim McDonald's gap and go and change your life for Jesus Christ. Thank you. Hello, Bethany family. My name is Sarah Miller, and I recently returned from a five and a half month missions trip to Santo Domingo, the capital of the Dominican Republic. While I was there, I served in college and children's ministry and assisted short-term teams that would come from the US. I'm so grateful for my experience and I'm excited to share about it with you. Every week, I would help with Bible and English teaching at two low-income schools. All of the kids I taught were full of joy and loved learning about Jesus through various Bible stories, games, and songs. I also assisted with an ESL class at the Greenhouse, a student center and coffee shop that is run by the missionary family there. It is located next to the largest university in the country and provides students with a place to study, hang out, or practice English. This space also allows us to connect with people in a very relational way, which provided us with opportunities to talk about the gospel. Through the greenhouse ministry, I was able to connect with three people in particular, Felipe, Scarlett, and Juan. 
They were open to talking and asking questions about God and all seem like they are desirous to find the truth. I pray that someday, through more gospel conversations, they will accept Christ as their savior. I was also able to work with short-term teens from the U.S. They joined us in regular ministry at the local schools and at the greenhouse, but we would also work with them on church construction projects, do community and university outreaches, have prayer walks and worship nights, and host other special events at the greenhouse. These teams have a lasting impact on ministry, so I encourage you to join one if you can. Finally, thank you for giving me the opportunity to minister to the people of Santo Domingo. Through the first time mission trip scholarship that the church provides, I was able to reach my fundraising goal and be a part of what God is doing in the DR. I'm so grateful for my experience and I pray that God will continue to change hearts and lives through the missionaries and local churches that are still there. Thank you so much and God bless. Good morning, church family. Um, my name is Mike Purdue, and I had the uh, privilege to uh, borrow Bob's word of uh, joining uh, Aaron, Chuck, Mike, and several people from uh, a couple different churches on a missions trip to Poland. Uh, there's, there's us in Krakow. Um, it was an amazing experience for me because it was my first time going. And as Bob pointed out, we need people to step up and, and fill the voids left by those that have been going for now for a while. And I want to pause on this slide for a little bit. So our, our journey was interesting. We actually got delayed a day, and we went from Boston to Chicago, and then we flew to Krakow, and then took a, a short uh, a van ride down to Katowice, if I'm saying it right. And it was a very interesting journey because... Um, the pastor will talk about in the summary later about we pay our own way to go on these trips. And there's, they're looking for certain skill sets. So I have a degree in management and a degree in accounting. And I'm working with concrete and blueboard and drywall, basically. So you go willing to learn and to listen um, and to be humble. Um, and you also sometimes go without knowing exactly where the resources are going to come from. Because I basically stole from one pot that I need to pay tuition in January to fund the trip. And I said, God, you know, I, I prayed with my wife and I said, We're, you know, I'd like to do this. She agreed. And I just said, God will provide. And that's, that's the, the journey of faith for me. Um, and I think that one that we've been hearing about a lot, um, trust and go. Um, and that, that can be hard when you're thinking about things like, you know, i got to steal from one pot to pay another. Um, but it, so far, it, I find that that's a, a very solid place to place my trust. So next slide. Um, Chuck and Bill. It, it's interesting who you meet along the way. Uh, two gentlemen that, that had the background and the skills. And the relationships that you build, you wonder who's getting the benefit um, is it the refugees that we're working with on the housing? Or is it yourself? Is it everybody? Um, oftentimes you're surprised, as Bob pointed out, what you get back as a gift that makes the investment um, so much more rewarding. Next slide. Um, so this was the room I was, uh, was stuck in for a better part of a week. 
Um, now, this room is going to be an indoor playroom for the kids when the weather is not cooperating outside in Poland. And so knowing and being able to picture how the room will be used, all of a sudden you start to feel a connection to the people again. Um, next slide. Um, this is the full group. This is towards the end of the journey when we're trying to finish out all the windows. So when we got there, they basically had knocked out all the windows. They put new ones in in the most hurried fashion I'd ever seen. And this room is about three doors down from where the, the sewage was backing up while we were there uh, because there's two floors occupied. So in the U.S., you know, there would never be a CO yet, certificate of occupancy here. But here we are. We got families living on floor two and trying to, trying to make a life. Um, mostly mothers with children because their husbands weren't allowed to leave except for very rare exceptions. Next slide. Um, me and Ben also stuck in that room. I'll talk about Ben in a few minutes. Next slide. So this was day one. So we showed up. We're like one of the first tasks we could do. They actually put you to, to work when you, when you think you want to go to bed because they're like, if I keep you up enough, you'll, you'll acclimate to the time change better. And it, they were actually right. But all of a sudden, an impromptu game got spurred up. You can't really see all the kids amongst all the grown bodies there. But the, like, we just started to play a game with them outside. And it was their first real kind of interaction, it seemed, in a while by the base of their reactions. It's also neat to point out that that dumpster, we had spent like a better, a better part of an afternoon sorting all the trash into you know, plastics, woods, everything. And we're thinking, oh, the European recycling. Wow, it's so, so awesome. Next day, a group came in, and they put it all back in the pile, and they put it in the dumpster and hauled it away. So they kept us busy, though, and they kept us uh, up, and we did acclimate rather quickly to this time zone change. Uh, next slide. So that's the building. This is an old office building. They must have got it for an interesting price. But it's the home for a bunch of families on their way, once the paperwork clears, to England. And it's specifically geared with a, uh, a British program but it's women and families, and I want you to look at out into the yard where we had been playing the day before, where you can still see the dumpster. And these are people that are just trying to get their laundry done. They're trying to cook on the floor. They're trying to provide for their families and hoping for, new, for reasonable, frequent news from their husbands um, or from family members that chose not to leave Ukraine. So we're you know, several hours from the Ukrainian border, but you can see it... Um, as the families, mostly the moms, try to eke out a sense of normalcy for their own families. And you realize what you're doing and the gravity of the situation and the importance right away, even though you're just working with uh, blue board and drywall compound and concrete. Now, next slide. Now, this is my last slide, and this is the slide that's very powerful for me. It's the wrong airport, but I wanna make a very clear point, especially about our faith and stepping out on a faith journey. We were in Chicago. I think this is actually in uh, um, Warsaw, if I'm not mistaken. And in Chicago, you know, a bunch of us are wearing these yellow shirts to talk about a missions trip. A gentleman walked up to Ben, who I was pointed out before, and thank you very much for that. And they go, and the gentleman goes, oh, so why are you doing this? And, you know, I would have thought about it. I would have said, you know, Ukrainian refugees, the war, Russia, you know, I'd served in the military. I, was, I wanted to do something. And Ben blurts out, Jesus Christ. And I sat there and I said, would I have been 
that courageous? Would I even have thought to say that? And Ben didn't realize it, but he had come from Missouri, right? To join up with Aaron, lifelong friend, so that I could hear that. Ben was going to Poland to run into me as one, one part of it. I won't claim the whole thing, but to run into me so I could hear that type of a response. No thinking, just acting. And that's, that's what this whole journey turned into for me. It was when somebody asks you why you're doing it, what do you say? And how quickly do you say it? How do you, do you filter it? And so there were so many lives that we touched. There was one young man named Vasily, and I've gotten a follow-up picture of him boarding, leaving uh, City Place, which was the name of the building, leaving there to board a train or a bus to get on a plane, and he, he's now in England with his family. And so I think it's a happy ending, it, or it's the beginning of a new chapter in his life. And I'll always wonder how his life turns out, but it was on a missions trip where we all walked away with a step out of faith, fund it, find the resources, or commit the resources, and then trust in God to find where they come from, and um, bear witness. And sometimes that witness is the very people that are going on the trip to your right or to your left. So uh, powerful trip, uh, but this is your missions dollars um, at work. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I want to share with you a trip that I was able to take this summer, and uh, many of you knew I was gone for a little while, and I was able to join with a group of other pastors and leaders from the Southern New England Ministry Network to go on a trip to Peru. Specifically went to a region called the Cusco region to meet up with missionaries Bob and Lisa Holloway and their team there because we wanted to hear the vision that they had for that region. So it was a little bit of a different missions trip than I've been on in the past because in the past I've gone and we've done street ministry or we've been working on a building or, or something like that. I've done missions trips of varieties, but this one was simply to go and kind of scout out how might we be able to partner with the vision these missionaries have. And so the the missionaries are in a region called Cusco, which is um, largely in the Andes, though it does extend down into the jungle a little bit. And in that region, the indigenous group of people is, are called the Quechua. And the Quechua people do not have uh, access to a lot of training, especially uh, regarding the Bible. And so many of them, though there are churches present among the Quechua people, many of them have pastors that have never even had any kind of training at all. In fact, we visited a church while we were there on a Tuesday night where the pastor had been chosen simply because he was the oldest man in the congregation, and those were his only qualifications, apparently. And so one of the, one of the points of the missionary's vision is that they want to help to resource pastors and train them to be able to communicate the gospel. The difficulty is that the language that the Quechuan people speak is very difficult and that it's largely not a written language, it's mostly just a spoken language. Not only that, but culturally, they're storytellers. And these uh, missionaries, Bob and Lisa, have been appointed as the Unreached People Group Directors for South America, and they're put there in Peru specifically so that they can help reach people 
who have not heard the good news about Jesus in large part because of the lack of training or the lack of uh, access to materials because of the language barrier. And so their vision is that they want to establish a training center where pastors can be trained, where church people can be trained to tell the stories of the gospel. Think of it like this, much like Jesus when he was interacting with people would tell a parable. And then he would sometimes just let it sit, wouldn't even explain it. He would leave it as a question. Their heart is that they would be able to train pastors and, and church people to be able to share their faith like that, to teach them the stories of the Bible in a manner that they can share orally in a very similar pattern as their culture is used to and yet bring Jesus into it and leave them with a question where they're called to consider the point of the story they were just told. So they want to establish a training center for that. In addition, they want a place where they can hopefully host children's camps and also train the National Church in Peru, the Assemblies of God Church, to do children's ministry. There's very little children's ministry in Peru, uh, especially among the Quechuan people, and so they want to train church leaders to be able to reach out in their communities, especially to children, and to reach the next generation. And so we spent one day pretty much touring several sites. I'll show you uh, the first picture. Uh, it's just we were, That's the road we took to drive up to one site on the side of a mountain. You can go to the next picture. This is the site, one site that they're considering where they could potentially build a training, uh, training center. Um, the, the upside to this one is it's incredibly beautiful. The downside is it's kind of hard to get to. It's a bit remote, and it would be hard to get pastors and people there, but it might be cost effective. Uh, it's a little bit cheaper than some of the other places, but it's also remote. Then we went down into the valley a little bit. You can go to the next slide, and this is a camp that is already built. There are some buildings around the outside there that you can see. There's an open field in the middle, and they hosted a children's camp there this summer. This camp was established by another group of missionaries who have since left the country. They left it to some Peruvian nationals who really don't know what they want to do with it, and so they're considering selling it, and this spot would be an ideal place because of the buildings that are already there, because of the location for the establishment of a training center for both children's outreach as well as training pastors and church people to share their faith through stories. And so what we were asked to do is simply to come, to hear their vision, and then to pray together about what God would have us to do. This coming week, actually, I'm meeting with the team that went to Peru, and we're going to be talking about what we think God might direct us to do in conjunction with those missionaries, not only as a network, but also individual churches. My hope is that in the coming year to two years, we would be able to send teams down who would be able to participate in training, doing children's camps, learning and then teaching stories and how to tell the story of the gospel well, and be able to help get this training center established to reach unreached people in the Cusco region of Peru. So I'm hoping that pretty soon we'll be able to have more details about how we can partner with the Holloways. They will be with us here in April. They're going to come and participate in our spring missions emphasis and share their vision with you personally. But I want to thank you for allowing me to go and participate in this trip. And I'm hoping for a great, uh, a lot of fruitfulness out of it in the coming years. There's one more thing that I want to share, and I, I, I just couldn't convince myself not to. It's this. While I was there, one of my pastor friends, uh, Stephen Hawley from out on the Cape, he asked if I would stay with him for a couple of days after the trip was over to hike. 
and how could I say no? And so uh, I learned a couple of things, really cool things on that trip about the culture, about the animistic culture that they're in, about how uh, so often uh, the, the things that they believe about spirits in the mountains and the rocks and the sun and the moon, because there's no training in the church, creeps into what gets taught in the church or what gets believed in the church, which is another reason why training is so necessary and teaching people is so necessary. I also learned that when you go from 800 feet or, or lower here in Massachusetts to 15,000 feet at the base of Mount Salkantai, you get a really big headache uh, because of the lack of oxygen. But I want to thank you for allowing me to go and to participate in that mission. It was a great way for us to look to the future and say, how will God have us partner in reaching unreached peoples, not only by sending others, but perhaps even by going ourselves. There's also a way that we send people not so far away, but in just as important a way, not only sending people around the world, but sending people here in the Pioneer Valley to do missions work as well. And we want to share one of those testimonies with you this morning. I'm going to ask Scott to come, and he's going to represent Royal Family Kids Camp for us this morning, and he wants to share a testimony about how God worked in camp this summer. Thanks, Scott. Morning. Uh, my name is Scott Castle. Uh, I've been with Royal Family Kids Camp Ministry uh, for the past five years and counting. Um, what it is, is we take 16 foster boys, 16 foster girls, um, and we just spend a whole week with them, just loving on them through activities, uh, skits, and different things, one-on-one time. Uh, it's just a really awesome opportunity to help a bunch of hurting kids know that uh, they're valued, loved, and have a purpose. Uh, this ministry is very personal to me. Uh, I grew up in the foster care system myself. I came from a very abusive family and uh, background. Uh, my parents divorced when I was about two years old. Um, you ask, well, what one, one week could do for these kids, you know? And to answer that, I, I wanna share, you know, as, as I said, my parents divorced when I was two. I'd only see my dad for maybe one week a year, two weeks a year. But during that week, he would share Jesus with me. And maybe when I was younger, I didn't fully understand it. But as I grew older, um, I came to a point in my life where I was literally ready to commit suicide. I was just so hurt and devastated and really just felt like, why am I here? What's my purpose? And uh, I cried out to God, and he showed up in that moment. He said, you're my son. I have plans for you. I love you. And my first thought was, you know, my dad, he put those, you know, planted those seeds in my life. And this summer was amazing. I mean, the, we started uh, going uh, the day before on Sunday, and we usually pray over the whole camp. And uh, as we finished praying, uh, there was a rainbow coming out of the sky. It was like God saying, I'm here. I'm going to do something amazing this week. And... Uh, and I had an amazing experience. I get, uh, the, I've been, out of the five years, I've had two boys, and I get the same boys every year. And uh, this year, God gave me an awesome opportunity uh, with one of the oldest boy. Um, every year, we give them Bibles, and usually we write a little messages. At the beginning of the Bible, is just encouraging them. And so I was talking to my boy, and I said, like, did, did you get your Bible? Did you read it? And he's like, well, I don't really like the Bible. It's just kind of boring. And I was like, don't you know what's in the Bible? <laughs> I'm like, this is exciting. It tells about creation and life and, and hope. 
and I was able to share a little of my testimony with them, you know, of how God touched and transformed my life. And, you know, this is why I go every year is to take that hope, knowing that I have a father in heaven who loves me and has plans for me to give these kids that same sense of hope and love because they just really feel abandoned and helpless and come from really, you know, hard situations. And the very next day, he's like, hey, Scott, can we, can we read a chapter of the Bible? <laughs> yeah. So I just want to encourage you uh, every, every year in August, uh, we, we have this camp to take one week to invest in giving hope and purpose to these wounded kids from the Royal Family Kids Camp. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. I'm going to ask Pastor Peter and Krista and Ken to come up, our uh, camp directors, and Pastor Peter, who was camp director for so many years. Um, not only have is there great consistency with our staff and the leaders who lead the Royal Family Kids Camp from year to year, there's been a great consistency over a long period of time here at Bethany with leadership in leading this camp. And so uh, the national organization uh, for the children that uh, organizes and, and uh, sets up Royal Family Kids Camps, they have wanted to recognize uh, Bethany and the leaders of this camp. Uh, in 2021, it was the 25th year that Bethany had run Royal Family Kids Camp here in the Pioneer Valley. And so just wanted to present that to Pastor Peter and uh, Krista and Ken, who are the camp directors now, and just thank them for that service over a long period of time, as well as those who have served at the camp for so many years. Well, we're blessed to be able to have been a part of Royal Family Kids Camp for th this many years. It's been a blessing to us as volunteers who have gone and participated in the camp, but it's also been a blessing to, to the kids. We've had probably about 800 kids that have been a part of Royal Family Kids Camp over the um, those 25 years. Some of them are repeat kids because we try to get them when they're around six or seven years old and then keep them until they age out around 12. So a lot of times for these kids, they're moved from foster home to foster home throughout the 12 month period. But, uh, and so then they look forward to coming to Royal Family Kids Camp year after year to see familiar faces and go through the different activities. And so it's a blessing and uh, I thank the church and all the people that are a part of Royal Family Kids Camp. We take 45 volunteers every year to be a part of that. Plus, there are many people back here that help with different activities, getting us ready to go to the camp. So we know that this camp is impacting kids' lives. And the potential that's there is just amazing. Of, of You know, when you listen to Scott's story, and just think about that story 800 times or, or more. Um, it, it just gives us an opportunity to really share the, the gospel and, and introduce them to Jesus Christ through our time with them. So I want to thank the church and um, just all the volunteers and all the people that have helped us over the years make uh, Royal Family Kids Camp happen. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Pastor Peter, Ken, and Krista. Appreciate you and all of those who serve at Royal Family Kids Camp so much. And for the longevity of that service, thank you so much. You left too soon. We're grateful for how God has used these. These are only a little bit about what we've been able to do in missions over this year. To give you a broader perspective, I want to share sort of the the 30,000 foot view or the highlights of how we've been able to impact the world because of missions, faith, promise, giving over the last year. So would you turn your attention to the screen for this update? Bethany, we need to celebrate how God has allowed us to participate in his mission over the last year. I think you'll be amazed and encouraged as I share with you some of the missions giving highlights over these last 12 months. As we go through some of these numbers, feel free to clap or shout in thanksgiving for how God has allowed us to participate in his mission and for the way he provided for you and for his church as we were faithful to give. Right now, we support 208 missionaries and missions organizations on a monthly basis. Every month, we send out $34,120 to ongoing mission support. That means that we send out over $400,000 a year to everyday boots on the ground ministry, helping to keep missionaries on the field and ministries supplied so that they can proclaim Jesus all over the world. In fact, we support missionaries and ministries in over 55 nations. We've also upped our support for short-term missions through our first time mission scholarship which you heard about this morning. This year, we provided $8,782 to 10 people going on missions trips for the very first time. When we say that we want to make an impact for God's glory in the Pioneer Valley and around the world, that may sound cliche or undoable for a church in Agawam, Massachusetts, but we're doing it. Not only through money, but by encouraging people in our congregation to get personally involved in missions whether through short-term work overseas, by volunteering at outreaches, or by responding to God's call to vocational ministry. We've also had the privilege of supporting some projects with significant one-time gifts in the last 12 months. Here are 10 of the highlights from that support. Last December, we gave 5,000 to help provide Bibles in Armenia, $6,000 to help bolster up Bible college in Nepal, $4,000 to help reach unreached people groups in the Arab world through Live Dead. $5,000 to help relieve the suffering church, particularly in Afghanistan. And $5,000 to Convoy of Hope to help provide relief after the tornado that hit Kentucky. In February, we provided George Flattery a gift of $5,000 to help with church planting in France. In March, we sent $10,000 to a sister church in Moldova that is housing and providing for refugees fleeing Ukraine. In April, we sent an additional $5,000 to Convoy of Hope to assist with more disaster relief. And in July, we sent $10,000 to Ken Harrell in Honduras to help with constructing a church and gave $10,000 to supply materials for the team we sent to Poland to help renovate a center for Ukrainian refugee relief. Overall, from last November to the present, we gave $82,015 to special projects all over the world. From last November until today, we've received $478,518.92 in faith promise giving. We still have two weeks for you to help us raise that number above $500,000. 
And during that same period, we've sent out $570,000 to missionaries, organizations, and projects. Bethany, we are making an impact around the world, and we want to continue to do that. Faith Promise Giving is how you can help us. What you've heard today has all been accomplished through a little idea called Faith Promise Giving. Now, those who went on the trips, apart from those who got the first-time trip scholarships, they paid their own way. But all of the projects, all of the monthly support, the materials that get sent for, uh, for the trip to Poland, and, and all of those additional things, that all happens because of your Faith Promise Giving. And faith promise giving is this really simple idea. It's that I'm going to ask what God would have me to give, and then out of faithful obedience to Him, I'm going to give it. Faith promise is something that you ask God about. It's not something that you're promising me you'll give, but that you're asking God to help you to give over the course of the next year. And so hopefully as you came in, you got a faith promise giving card in your seat I want to ask you if you just grab that right now, especially if you've not yet made a faith promise for 2021 to 2022, if you've not made a new one for this year, grab that card, and I'm going to ask you in just a moment to fill that out in a very particular way, and that way is this, that I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit what He would have you to give, and then act in obedience on that. That might be a new idea to you. You might think, well, you know, I, I've never heard the Holy Spirit talk to me about giving or anything like that. I want to just encourage you and challenge you to ask and see what he will say. I know that for myself and my wife and I personally, there have been multiple times where we've sat in a service like this or we've heard a missionary speak and we've, uh, we've kind of huddled among ourselves and said, you know what, I think we could swing like $45 a month or something. And then the Holy Spirit went, uh, how about 500 a month or something like that. We went, God, we don't have those kinds of resources. We can't do that. But I can tell you this, that whenever we have been faithful to give what God has asked us to do, what he nudges and impresses on our hearts in those moments, he gives and he provides for our needs. We haven't gotten rich off of it, I can tell you that, and I don't think that's God's goal. I don't think God's goal is to make me rich when I give. But I do think his word tells us that as I'm generous and I'm obedient to him with my finances, he is able to make his generosity overflow in my life, not only by supplying my needs, but by giving me more opportunities to be generous. There's only one time in my life that I have a regret regarding faith promise giving. I was young, Andrew and I had been married for about two years. We were, uh, I was in seminary, she was working, and and uh, we were attending church, and they had a missions convention, much like we're doing now. And during that missions convention, Andrea and I had made a faith promise. We had committed to give a certain amount. It was a little while later that Andrea and I got the news that, we, uh, that Andrea was pregnant with our first child. And I was scared. I didn't have insurance. Uh, I was going to school. I didn't have any money to my name, really. I didn't know what was going to happen. And so the... I began to think, maybe, you know, maybe God won't mind so much if I don't give my faith promise. And I can tell you, I made that decision. We didn't, we didn't immediately give. Now, we started picking up giving once we realized that God was meeting our needs. But I always wonder, what might God have done if I'd have just been faithful? I mean, after all, it's, it's a faith promise, not a, if I've got it, I'll do it, or if I feel confident right now, I'll do it, but it's, God, I believe you'll supply my needs. What might God have done if I'd have said, you know what? I trust you, Lord. 
Now, I've got good news. God did not smite me for that. I'm still here, and he's been merciful. And over and over again, as God has prompted our hearts, Andrew and I have had the blessing of being able to give more than I ever dreamed we'd be able to give, frankly. And, and God has been faithful to us. We've never lacked, and, and he has supplied our needs. And I don't tell you that this morning to get you to think that God's going to make you rich. Again, that's not what this is about. I tell you it this morning that if in a moment when we turn to pray, the Holy Spirit nudges you or surprises you with something beyond what you'd planned, what you felt comfortable with, and you've all heard that if everybody would just give a cup of coffee, then we could raise this much. Listen, in my opinion, the Holy Spirit wants you to give way more than a cup of coffee to the mission of God. If all you can sacrifice is a cup of coffee, come on. I mean, come on. Hasn't Jesus done more for you than a cup of coffee a day or a month? Listen, God, God will meet your needs when you are faithful with his resources. So I'm not trying to guilt trip you at all. In just a moment, we're going to pray. And all I'm asking you to do is this. Will you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what will you have us to give? And then not out of rationale, but out of faith, will you write that? I'm not going to call you next month and go, hey, why didn't you give what you said? This is between you and the Lord. Now, we'll know about it because part of what this helps us do is to be able to tell missionaries, hey, we can support you this month, this, or this much this year. This is, uh, we can support your project this year. That's what Faith Promise helps us to do as a church. But I'm not going to be saying, why didn't you give? This is a, this is a commitment you make before the Lord. And so there's no need to fear that, that there's going to be some, uh, some trouble with the church or something like that. This is as you hear the Holy Spirit prompting you that you'd be faithful and you would give. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come. And as they do, I'm going to ask that you bow your head and pray. And just ask the Holy Spirit with sincerity and honesty. What would you have me to give? If your spouse is with you, maybe you want to grab their hand and, and pray together. And let's ask the Lord, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we want to know what you want us to give. Lord, we've heard this morning the, the great testimonies of what this church has been able to be involved with. Father, what a privilege it is to know that we are part of the work you're doing around the world. That when we say we want to impact the world, you're helping us to do that. Who would have thought a church in little old Agawam would be able to do something that impacts the world? And yet, Lord, you're using us, and we thank you for that. We ask, God, that you would help us right now to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit and to faithfully respond. I pray that we would respond not out of fear, but out of faith, not from compulsion, but cheerfully. Lord, trusting that you love a cheerful giver and you will supply all of our needs. Lord, we thank you that you're able to do it. We pray that even now you'd nudge people's hearts, you'd encourage their faith, and you'd fill them with a confidence to give what you're asking them to give. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Now, would you just take a moment, and as the Holy Spirit is led, would you fill that out, tear off the side, and keep that for yourself as a reminder of what God spoke to you today. And as you give, let's celebrate and rejoice with the choir and worship team because of how God has enabled us to be a blessing this year. We see righteousness and praise rising up throughout the earth, the saints of God, a pure and spotless bride clothed in white, full of faith, head lifted high, and we deep. 
Yeah. 
you stand with me and let's just thank the Lord for what he's done today and what he's allowed us to participate in over the last year. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for how you've allowed us to be participants in your kingdom and in your mission. Lord, what a privilege it is that you have called us and not only called us to your love, but called us to your mission, that you have given us the opportunity to be participants with you in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us a continued spirit of urgency, that you would renew our heart for your mission. And Lord, we pray that in the coming days and months and years, that we would see not a a settling down, but a continual increase in what we are able to do. We pray, Father, that you would meet our needs so that we can help to meet the needs of others, particularly, Lord, that we would be able to continually participate in sharing the good news by sending missionaries, by sending missions teams, by the support of your work in other parts of the world. Lord, we pray that you would give us your grace to do it. We thank you for your provision. We believe you for it in the coming year, and we ask that you would help us again to have another miraculous year of your grace going before us as we participate in your mission. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we believe for these things. Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. Can't we, before we go, God, we give you thanks and praise. We worship you for what you've done. We praise you, Jesus. There's no God like you. And we lift up your name. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We will see you again on Wednesday night as we continue our missions convention. Until then, go in God's grace and in his peace.